Hello and welcome to episode number 543 of Holy Crap It Sports. I'm your host Pete Davis. A beautiful sunny 77 degree day here at the banks of the Etowah River. Boy, everything's going to start blooming soon if this keeps up. It's absolutely gorgeous outside. I hope everybody's having a good week. It is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Happy Ash Wednesday. And if you're a Catholic out there, you've got to give something up for 40 days. I'm telling you. Um, my sister, who's Catholic, asked me last night, she goes, uh, what are you giving up for Lent? And I said, you know, that's the beauty of being a Southern Baptist. I don't have to give up anything for Lent. <laughs> so anyway, I made the mistake one year, several years ago, of seeing, of seeing if I could do it. So I gave up chocolate for 40 days. I almost died. I'm telling you. And at the end of it, my nephews who are Catholic said, well, you know, every Sunday, you know, you get a, you know, it's like a bye week. You know, you can eat and drink what you want on Sundays. It's like, you tell me this now after I went 40 days without chocolate? You sons of, anyway. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It's episode number 543. As always, follow me on Twitter. If you're not following me on Twitter, what are you doing? Pete Davis 1. It's very simple. Uh, write me, Pete Davis 1 at yahoo.com. If you don't have a t shirt yet, why haven't you gotten a t shirt yet? Go to farmhouseprintingco.com. Get a holy crap at sports t shirt. It's really cool font and uh, it's kind of sci fi ish. Or get a, you know, drink up Shriners t shirt or just get any t shirt you want from them. They'll do anything for you. All your printing needs at farmhouseprintingco.com. And as always, if you think this show is worth promoting, if you think it's worth helping, uh, go to patreon.com, P A T R E O N, look up Holy Gravit Sports, or go to Venmo and look up Holy Gravit Sports with Pete Davis. I really do appreciate it. All the help. Thank you very much for everybody who's done that. And please do that. We, we appreciate it. It's how we're making a living these days. Anyway, we got uh, headlines for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. What are we drinking today? Uh, it's Ash Wednesday. We're supposed to, let's do some sangria. It's so hot today. Let's, let's take a little 7-Up or Sprite. Get some Real Sangria. If you can't find Real, get some uh, Yago. They come in those really long neck uh, bottles. And uh, it and don't drink it by yourself because it's horrible. But basically, mix it with some Sprite or 7-Up on a bright day like this. Go outside, sit down in the grass before the red bugs come out. And uh, maybe uh, slice up some oranges or lemons or something. Uh, throw into the uh, punch bowl and... Have you a picnic? Why not do that? I'm going to start doing that pretty soon now. Anyway, here are the headlines here. The beginning of the most heated rivalry in college football began today in history. The living embodiment of the Peter Principle, Willie Taggart, has gotten another promotion. Does he have photos of people in high up places with goats? I don't know. It looks like the long nightmare of Michael Soroka's rehab is going to continue. A 32-team MLB with no American or National League and two expansion teams? Could that happen? A scandal at Alabama is just getting worse by the day. The Hawks finally get off the pot. Dominic Wilkins is mad. And Dwight Howard can't stay out of trouble. Meanwhile, a Boston sportscaster suspended for an alleged racist remark. And you can get enough football. We have found that out in the last few days. we got Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays, all kinds of good stuff. So sit back, pour you a sip, and let's get started. Let's talk with the Braves. It's spring training. Let's get to the uh, baseball here. Mark Bowman of MLB.com, as always, covers the Braves. Has a pretty good story about Michael Soroka's rehab. He wants to be known as Michael now, not Mike. Uh, the right-hander provided a clear response when asked how he best described what he was feeling when he got that right hamstring strain and add that to the list of physical ailments, a long list he's had in his very still young career. Uh, Soroka said, quote, it's a kick in the groin. Honestly, when it happened, I was pretty worried. I was pretty scared, end quote. It appears the scare experienced early this month might put him just a couple weeks behind, though, in his preseason preparations unless something else happens. And instead of being on the field competing for the rotation spot, he spent nearly all of the early portion of spring training in the trainer's room, which he has become quite familiar with over the last few years. His most recent ailment occurred as he was stretching and simulating his delivery at his Atlanta home. The 25-year-old, he's only 25, spent the afternoon playing catch with former Braves reliever Darren O'Day, who just retired not long ago. And uh, Michael was just doing a little extra work when he felt the hamstring kind of mess around. Yeah, I've 
blown both hamstrings playing uh, baseball over the years, and it's not a for me. Someone like me, it ta- it literally takes months to get over it, and it's always and it's always weak after it. it. You can always feel it a little bit when you do something stupid. For an athlete, with all the stuff they have today to help them out, with all the salves and ointments and electrical jolts and people rubbing every part of your body for good or bad. Uh, you can get over it pretty quick. It amazes me that someone's out there in two or three weeks. Because to me, it takes two or three months. But then again, I'm not an athlete. So anyway, says it's frustrating when this happens. And uh, he's, he's, it's not fun. He's going to be moving forward, though, hopefully on this side. He's, right now, he's throwing on flat ground. The Braves have not determined when he might be cleared to begin running and throwing off the mound again. I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. That's just, I'm being pessimistic here. And anything he gives us, good. Right now, I'd say Ian Anderson is their best hope of, of those two of being a viable starter at the beginning of the regular season. Gosh, if Soroka can give us anything, even middle relief this year, but he's a starter. So hopefully uh, he's a good guy, and hopefully he'll uh, get this worked out. Meanwhile, Jim Bowden or Bowden, I don't bother to remember how to pronounce it because I think the guy's an idiot. Anyway, he's come up with uh, some kind of idea. The former GM of the Reds says MLB will expand soon to 32 teams. He's spoken to Commissioner Rob Manfred. says once they get the Tampa and Oakland situation settled with the new ballparks, well, I think Tampa Bay's going to build one next door to the old one. I don't know why they're putting another one right there, but it better uh, be a better stadium. It's going to have to be some kind of dome of some sort. We all know that. Now, there's talk about uh, maybe Portland or Las Vegas, Vegas being where the A's would show up, and maybe even Vancouver. But according to Bowden Bowden, uh, forget that. It's going to be Nashville and Charlotte. Those are going to be the two. Hmm. Right now, with Canada going insane and with their stupid laws about this and that, I don't know if the Major League Baseball will want to do with another hassle. There's also talk of maybe Montreal getting another one. I'd love to see that, except the fact that Canada has run by a dictator now who just basically wakes up every morning and changes the laws to suit his whim. I don't think that's a good place to put a franchise or a corporation. So anyway... Uh, Jim says they should get rid of the National American Leagues when they go to 32 for a very regionalized bunch of divisions uh, like the Braves would be in a division with Tampa Bay, Miami, and the new Charlotte franchise. Jim also says, of course, the new team would be up in Nashville. Now, frankly, an Atlanta-Nashville-Charlotte triangle connected with all those major highways would be a better fit, I think, for baseball. It's, it's a natural rivalry already between the three southern cities. Nashville and Charlotte both want to be the new Atlanta. I hope they learn from Atlanta's mistakes uh, from, you know, crime-wise and corruption-wise and all that and letting the, the airport get out of hand. But anyway... You know, it's not even close. Atlanta's the busiest airport in the world. It's 85 million people a year. The next closest is, who the hell is the next closest? Dallas-Fort Worth with 60-something million, 67. It's not even close. And I think number three is Istanbul. Heathrow is way down there on the list from London. I mean, Atlanta's the busiest by far. It used to be Chicago. Chicago's not even in the top five, I think, anymore. O'Hare, but anyway, uh, and they should, by God, they should have had that second major airport below Chattanooga. They thought about it 20, 30 years ago with, you know, with a bullet train between Hartsfield and, and Chattanooga connecting it. That would have been brilliant, and, uh, but for the good of Rome and Chattanooga, it didn't happen because you don't want to be more like Atlanta these days, believe me. Anyway, but I think that would be a, natu- a nat- natural rivalry between the three southern cities, much more than Tampa Bay or Miami with Atlanta. There's already a semi-rivalry going on uh, between SEC and ACC schools. you got Georgia Tech and Atlanta. You know, you got um, – I-, I don't know why the SEC network is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, because there is no SEC teams in North Carolina but or Charlotte. But anyway, uh, and Nashville, of course, not very far from the University of Tennessee. And, of course, they have Vanderbilt. Uh, I almost forgot Vanderbilt's already there. I think it'd be a natural thing to have those three. It'd be kind of like what they have up in Washington where they have the Senators, the Orioles, and the Phillies very close to each other. 
and they take advantage of that with the Nats and the Phils, but the Orioles, you know, get left out. I think they would help them a lot because if you can't get tickets at one stadium, you can just jump on the highway and be at the other one, Nashville, Charlotte, South uh, Atlanta, pretty quick. So anyway, I made that Charlotte to Atlanta run. I'm not going to tell you how fast it was. I was going, but it was in the rain and a storm, and I made record time. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, college football NFL news. The Ravens are expected to hire longtime college coach Willie Taggart. Yeah, Willie Taggart to oversee their running backs. This is according to ESPN. Taggart, of course, the former bad head coach at Florida State, Oregon, Western Kentucky, South Florida, and Florida Atlantic. Uh, he wasn't bad at all those places. Uh, let's see. The last uh, three seasons, he had been at uh, FAI, FAU, whatever, before being fired in November. Fired again. He had been set to join Colorado staff under coach Deion Sanders, but instead he's going to take the NFL job the first time he's the NFL. Please, at some point, someone explain to me what the fuck Willie Taggart has done to get a promotion to the NFL. He has proven that he can't even coach college anymore. I'm going to let you think about that. Give me a reason. That Pete Davis won at Twitter. Sorry, I was going to take a sip there. Uh... I think that's a mistake. I think he should, well, if he gets an NFL job, you got to take it, I guess. But he could have resurrected his uh, semi-mediocre career out there in Colorado. But talk about failing up. Mr. Peter Principal himself, if you look up the phrase mediocrity in coaching and your Funkin' Wagnalls, you'll see a photo of Willie Taggart. And poor Wade Phillips is stuck in the XFL. How does Willie Taggart get it? I just... It, it's amazing how that man continues to get jobs. It's like he's a, a radio program director or something. That's <laughs> only half kidding. Uh, Seahawks defensive back Tariq Wooden says that Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson is built like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, he says he moves about as fast these days, too. Russell Wilson is now maybe – Maybe Sean can do something. Sean Payton, is that his name? Can do something with him out there, but I don't know about that. As for the XFL TV ratings, none of the games in week one even got one million viewers on ESPN. I guess you can get enough football. Frankly, it's too soon. They should wait maybe three weeks to a month before they started up again. It's much too soon. People are still burned out after the Super Bowl. Come on. And speaking of which, why does NASCAR run their Super Bowl so close to the NFL Super Bowl? Why is the Daytona 500 that close? Give sports fans a chance to catch their breath. That's me. I, I know it's two different groups of sports fans. They prove it every Sunday, NASCAR versus NFL. But still, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of people who like both. I used to like both. Now I don't know what NASCAR is doing. So I've, they've kind of lost me. Anyway, uh, college basketball news here, and this is a horrible story. It reminds me of the Ray Lewis debacle at the Super Bowl when he was part of that uh, double murder or whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was two men uh, that were killed, and no one has ever been brought to justice for it. And Ray Lewis was part of that. He didn't murder anyone, but he was there, and he obstructed the police. He he had uh, admitted to that and pleaded to that. Uh, anyway, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, has put a bow on this sucker for at least a time being because it's only going to get worse. The trial is going on over there in Alabama. Former Bama Bass basketball player Darius Miles is facing capital murder charges after allegedly providing the gun used by Michael Davis, no relation, and the fatal shooting of Jamia Harris, a, a woman. Uh, yesterday, Tuesday, a court hearing unveiled new info about potential involvement by the star freshman Brandon Miller, who allegedly brought the gun to Miles before the shooting. Now, Crimson Tide coach Nate Oates, who you know I'm no fan of, issued a statement on the matter involving Miller, saying that Brandon was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Well, that statement pissed off a lot of people who felt Oates was making light of an incident that took a young mother's life. So Oates has since tried to clarify his remarks, saying they were unfortunate. Well, today, Wednesday's edition of McElroy and Kubelik in the morning on WJOX, host Greg McElroy, the former Alabama star quarterback, ripped into Oates for his careless comments. 
I will quote you from McElroy. I've been on the radio nine years. I've had to cover some very difficult and uncomfortable stories. This is the worst. It's the worst for a whole bunch of reasons. One, a mother is dead in her early 20s. Two, it involves my school. I'm a proud graduate of the University of Alabama. I have multiple degrees from the University of Alabama. I think what Nate Oates said yesterday was despicable. Despicable. I can remove my allegiance from what was said yesterday. It's an embarrassment, and this whole situation for all involved is tragic. Oates is a phenomenal basketball coach. Operative word there, basketball coach. Phenomenal. But what he said yesterday in the press conference was flat out embarrassing. Absolutely uncalled for, completely unsympathetic, and completely ridiculous, end quote. That's Greg McElroy going off on Nate Oates. Thank you. To me, Nate Oates is an asshole. Uh, He's a great coach, though, but he is an a-hole. Unbelievable. Uh, Miller has not been charged with a crime in the case so far. Uh, Alabama plays at South Carolina tonight. Now, once again, I say Oates is a great college basketball coach, but he's a complete moron when doing interviews. I heard him on Paul Feinbaum's show last year, and I hadn't heard a more pompous, egoist in coaching since the prime of Gino Ariema. He made Gino Ariema sound like uh, Bobby Kremens, as nice as Bobby Kremens was. I mean, it's unbelievable what how huge a head Nate Oates has. And he's like, look, buddy, maybe win a national title first before the head gets that big. I know you're a really good coach, but come on, man. Anyway, not a big fan. I should say. NBA News, the Hawks general manager Landry Fields said today that former Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder is among those being considered to replace Nate McMillan. If I'm Quinn Snyder, I'm hiding my phone number. I'm changing the number. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski uh, yesterday, the day the Hawks fired Nate McMillan, said Snyder is considered the leading candidate. Uh, Fields is stressing that Atlanta's eighth place standing in the Eastern Conference is not acceptable for a team that advanced to the conference finals just two years ago. Remember how high we were on the team then. He said Snyder's availability is a factor in the sense that I feel comfortable mentioning his name, but there are other candidates I don't want to mention because they are part of other teams. Snyder has a history as a Hawks assistant coach under Mike Budenhauser. When you say but. As do two more candidates expect to be part of the process, Bucks associate head coach Charles Lee and Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson. Field said he has started talking with potential candidates can make a hire this season. Meanwhile, assistant coach Joe Prunty, P-R-U-N-T-Y, began serving as interim coach with today's practice. He may not be involved in the interview process for the full-time position because they say that uh, Joe has enough on his plate. If I'm Joe Prunty, I'm going, no, wait a minute here. <laughs> this means basically I'm not going to be interviewed for the head coaching job, which means when the new guy comes on, I'm probably out of a gig, but I'm doing you a favor right now. Anyway, uh, ESPN sources say that fields wants a coach who will improve the franchise's player development and accountability. Who doesn't and get the team moving toward the top 10 in both offensive and defensive rankings. Right now, the Hawks are 16th in the offensive efficiency, 21st in defensive efficiency this season. Snyder is 56 years old. I can't believe he's that old. Uh, went 372 and 264 as Utah's coach from 2014 to last year. Guided the Jazz to six straight playoff appearances. He stepped down after last season. McMillan, who's 58 and looks 70, went 99 and 80 as Atlanta's coach. Uh, let's see. He led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals, which got him the full-time position. Uh, McMillan could not follow up on that success, though as the Hawks lost to the Heat in the first round of playoffs last year. So, anyway, I'm going to take a sip here as you ponder the Hawks' predicament here. (laughs) Well, I actually caught a mosquito inside the house yesterday. That's how warm it's been lately. Anyway, Landry is the Hawks' top basketball decision maker following the resignation of President of Basketball Operations Travis Schlink Back in December, remember, Schlink was the guy who helped build the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Why would we want him around? Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, They said there was slippage. That's why they fired McMillan. So now, also, Field says he did not talk with point guard Trey Young or any other players before firing McMillan. Hmm. By the way, McMillan 
Overall, with the Supersonics, Blazers, Pacers, and Hawks, went 760 wins, 668 losses. Had a winning thing. Meanwhile, 92-9 game here in Atlanta. A radio station has tweeted that now there is no more excuses for Trey Young win, shut up, or get traded somewhere else. Basically is what's going on with Trey Young here. I'm playing with the computer here, making sure it works. Sorry. Uh, meanwhile, Hawks legend Dominic Wilkins is an angry man right now. Last week, J.J. Redick and Chris Mad Dog Russo were shouting at each other on TV, uh, allegedly debating about Larry Bird and Steph Curry. Russo claims that Larry Bird was a better three-point shooter. He is high as a kite. Uh, Bird averages two attempts per game. He argued the NBA was a much more physical game in the 80s, which is true. Reddick pushed back on Russo uh, on first take, arguing that today's NBA is just as physical. Bullsh, bullsh, bullshit, bull, uh, No, it's not. Anybody who remembers the bad boys of Detroit. Dominique remembers. He played from 1982 to 99 and joined Justine Termine on Sirius XM and is pretty sensitive about this. Quote, Reddick doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> What basketball were you watching? To say something as idiotic as that is ridiculous. When you can put your hand on a guy's hip and make him go a certain way, when you can put the elbow in his chest to slow him, which we called slowing the guy up when he was coming down the lane, how many guys can deal with that type of pressure? And for J.J. Redick, who's played this game, I am very disappointed that he said something so stupid. <laughs> stupid. Uh, we had our time. It was a great time. It's their time now. But don't crap on us to prove your point because it doesn't make sense and it's not valid. I just don't like the disrespect. And to say that about Larry Bird? Less physicality? Is he stupid? It's just a stupid comment to make, end quote. That's Dominic Wilkins. It just reminds me of the, end of the Great Pumpkin episode when Charlie Brown and Linus are leaning up against the brick wall and and uh, Linus is lamenting the fact he spent the entire night in the pumpkin patch and the great pumpkin didn't show up. And Charlie Brown says, don't worry, Linus. I've done a lot of stupid things in my time, too. And Linus looks at him and goes, stupid? Stupid? What do you mean, stupid? And the rest, while the credits are rolling, you've seen it, where he, he's just screaming at Charlie Brown while the, while the credits are rolling. It makes me laugh every. It makes me laugh now when I'm talk, talking about it. Meanwhile. Charles Schultz was a genius. Uh, former Hawks disappointment Dwight Howard can't even stay out of trouble in the South Pacific. The former NBA star was kicked out of a game when he was playing in Chinese Taipei, Taiwan, the real China, when a huge brawl broke out. I don't think he started it. The funny thing was Dwight was hungry for another fight just 40 minutes later. But By the way, if you find that joke racist or offensive, uh, you need to report me to my boss. His name is Pete Davis. You can reach him at PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. I'm sure he will take immediate action. Probably give me a raise. Uh, radio news, speaking of raises, in Boston, 98.5 The Sports Hub has a radio host, or did, named Tony Maserati. Grr, not, not like the car Maserati. He spells it differently. He was suspended by Beasley Media yesterday after he made a racist remark on the air last week. Now, it actually was kind of, <laughs> kind of racist, but it was still a funny joke. But well, let me tell you about it. Maserati made the comment last Friday. He was on the Felger and Maz show. You boys need a better name. Uh, he went on there and apologized. But on Tuesday, yesterday, Mike Felger announced his co-host would be serving a suspension for the rest of the week. Now, last Friday, Maserati made the offensive remark. He was attempting to caution his co-host Felger, 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 who was broadcasting remotely from a room who had two black men standing behind him. I don't know who they were, why they were there, but they were. And Maserati said, quote, I want to know now who the two guys behind you are, because if I were you, they can't hear us, right? Okay, so I would be careful if I were you because the last time you were around a couple of guys like that, they stole your car, end quote. I'm doing a lot of quoting today, but it's all good quotes. Now, I'm sorry, that's funny. I don't know if the black guys laughed. Hopefully they did. Maybe they took offense to it. I don't know, and I could see why they would. But it's still funny. As Dave Chappelle says, just because something's offensive doesn't mean it ain't funny. 
But anyway, uh, what he's talking about, uh, Chappelle's talking about trans people. He says, look, somebody, and he, he says, I feel sorry for him and everything, and I'm sure they totally believe it and all that. But if you, you're born a male and you think you're a woman or you're born a woman and you think you're a male, that's funny. Anyway, Felger did get his car stolen last November when he was, guess where, New Orleans. Uh, so Maserati's comment was an attempt at chiding his radio co-host. By the way, Kimmer and I had a bet about how many people would die during Fat Tuesday in New Orleans last night. He said eight. I don't think it got to eight. I haven't checked the stats yet, though. Uh, after the video, the comment garnered attention on social media <gasps> over the weekend. Maserati apologized on Monday. He said the remark was hurtful and detrimental to the calls for racial and social equality. Gosh, they don't have any problem with any of that up in Boston ever, do they? I quote, I owe everyone an apology. It's not who I am. Bullshit is exactly who you are. It's not who we are. Bullshit. I can tell you that I'm blue in the face. I can tell you that until I'm blue in the face. Those of you who know me will believe it. Those of you who don't want, I got my hand raised, and you probably shouldn't. If I saw and heard what you did, I would feel the same way, and you have the right to be upset, end quote. After announcing Maserati's suspension, Felger, who laughed at the racist comment on Friday, admitted he deserved some responsibility for the incident by not condemning the joke in the moment. Uh, quote, minorities in this country have to put up with a lot of crap, and comments like that just make it harder for them, and we apologize for that. I feel bad that I personally didn't do more to correct it in the moment. I had the chance, and I'm just not talking about dropping it either. I had the chance there in the split-second moment to do something, and I froze, end quote. I got to give him credit for saying he froze because a lot of people in sports talk radio where you have to be 100% cocksure on everything or um, are very reticent sometimes not to take responsibility, not to apologize, but to say, I froze in the moment because you're not supposed to admit when you do that. But uh, everybody has at some point or another. Me, I did it for, I think, for a millisecond once. But anyway... Uh, here's the thing. Felger and show contributor Jim Murray, who was also seen laughing, oh my God, in response to Maserati's remark, are not facing a suspension. Good. But they will be part of the sensitivity training mandated by Beasley, who owns them. So here's my question. What the hell were the other guys supposed to do? Bring the show to a screeching halt and make an impassioned speech about racism? deride their co-host on the air which would probably get him fired how'd that work out for don lemon recently when he stopped the show and derided his co-host on the air how did that work out for him it never works out you deal with that during the commercial break here's how it's dealt with during the commercial break somebody says something to the program director who should be listening anyway even though they can't do it 24 7 and the program director should come in and say look I'm going to have to take you off the air right now. Well, let's go discuss what happened. If you have, if we talk about it and I'm satisfied with your explanation, I'll let you go back on the air. Otherwise, I'm going to have to suspend you. That's what should have been done. Because what he said was pretty blatant. Even for something funny, it was pretty blatant. You can't do that. It may have insulted the two or one of the two black guys standing there. So anyway, should have pulled him off the air right then and there. It is not for the co-host to patrol what the other person is saying. You are not responsible for what that other idiot is saying. I'm sorry. They are not responsible to what my idiot mouth is saying. I am only responsible for it. It is not the co-host's job. Now, during the commercial break, it might be the co-host's job to say, why did you say that? Maybe someone should ask the program director about what should happen now. You know, but here's the thing. Never do that. <laughs> Never, ever ever do that as one program director told me once when i did something and he said you know what i wouldn't have let you do that but it's better you just went ahead and did it because you pulled it off it's better to uh ask for permission than it is to ask for no 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 wait a minute i got it backwards it's better to ask for forgiveness better than to ask for permission because nine times out of ten i'm going to tell you no okay and i'll only be right maybe Seven times out of that ten. On this day, February 22nd in sports history, 1888, the father of American golf. Did you know this guy was the father of American golf? 
We know the father of basketball is James Naismith. Father of baseball, it's up in the air now, but it used to be Abner Doubleday, something like that, um, and some other guy. Uh, the father of football, ooh, gosh, who's the father of football? Not Amos Alonzo Stagg or something, because that's hard. But the father of American golf is John Reed, not the commie journalist that Warren, uh, Warren, not Warren Oates, the other guy, the pretty boy, uh, good actor. Uh, did in the movie Reds, which is a horrible movie. And they only loved it in Hollywood because it was pro-communist. But anyway, John Reed first demonstrates golf on a Yonkers, New York cow pasture for his friends. I guess he heard it or saw it in Scotland or something. I don't know. 1893, I've said earlier, the greatest college football rivalry, the most heated, began on this day. 1893, February 22nd, the first Iron Bowl. It's not Ohio State-Michigan. The most heated rivalry in college sports is Alabama-Auburn. It happened on this day. Who do you think won? I bet you all uh, Auburn fans know. (laughs) 32-22 War Eagle in Birmingham. Did they even call themselves? Was was that their chant? They were the Tigers, but did they call themselves War Eagle? I'm sorry. Did they chant War Eagle back then? Do not at me. I know the difference. 1933, Malcolm Campbell set the world land speed record of 272 plus miles per hour driving a famous Bluebird car. You can look it up at Daytona Beach. Oh, by the way, you know that um, I think the War Eagle chant actually occurred, came about when Auburn was playing Georgia here and what's the big park downtown? Piedmont Park. They used to play down there. I think someone brought an eagle to the game. I think that's how. Look it up in my book, The Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football. It's all in there. 1956, the first English soccer match at, don't get mad at me about this. This is a German name, Kunstlicht. It was Portsmouth versus Newcastle United. I guess it was the first English soccer match played in Germany at a town or stadium called Kunstlicht. K-U-N-S-T-L-I-C-H-T. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. 1959, the first Daytona 500. Lee Petty and Johnny Beauchamp crossed the finish line side by side. Beauchamp declared the unofficial winner. The ruling was overturned after three days by NASCAR founder Bill France Sr. Gave it to Lee Petty. 1967, the slingshot goalpost and the six-foot-wide border around the field become standard in the National Football League. Before that, the the goalpost, what the, what the oh, it was uh, right there. It was that big H, and it was on the goal line. Yeah, it was on the goal line. And then they put the slingshot goalpost in the end zone, and then they moved it uh, uh, outside of the end zone because people were running into it. Well, they were using it as a pick. Uh, 1970, the 12th Daytona 500, Pete Hamilton won by just three car lengths over David Pearson after passing him with nine laps to go. 1980, one of the greatest things in sports history, the miracle on ice. The U.S. ice hockey team beats heavily favored Soviet Union 4-3 at Lake Placid, New York, and one of the biggest upsets in Olympic and sports history. The Americans went on to win gold medal. I think they beat the Finns in the gold medal. Anyway, and it's like, what's the guy, what, the head coach? Oh, God, I forgot his name. Kurt Russell did a good job portraying him in the movie. Uh, I, forget, I feel bad about this but anyway um wait a second here what was the u.s olympic uh hockey team's coach i'm asking siri here uh good lord who was the uh hockey olympic men's coach in 1980 herb brooks thank you siri thank you for that herb brooks but anyway, I, I didn't watch it live. I didn't think we had a chance. And I was sitting in my bedroom out there in Gwinnett County. And uh, let's see. And I was recording records onto an, a cassette tape. And my dad just burst through the door and said, We won. We beat him. We beat the Russians. And I'm like, No, we didn't. He goes, We beat him. <laughs> it was great. Anyway, uh, 2003, Pakistani pace. And by the way, Jim, Jim Craig, 
the goalie, he went around with the you know the American flag on his back looking for his dad in the stands, well, became a goalie for the Atlanta Flames after that. It was really cool. Uh, now, 2003, Pakistani baseballer Shoab, S-H-O-A-I-B, Shoab Akhtar, bowled the fastest ball ever recorded in cricket history to that time, 100.2 miles per hour. That's 161 plus kilometers per hour, but over 100 miles per hour. First guy to do it uh, was Shoaib Akhtar. I'm sure they've gone farther and faster since then. 2015, I wonder how fast Nolan Ryan could have thrown one of those babies because you get to do a running start and it can hit the ground. And those suckers are hard. You ever, I used to, I have one somewhere and they're hard. They're much harder than a baseball. It's like hitting something wood. Uh, 2015, Daytona 500, Joey Logano won the event for the second time. He took the lead with 10 laps to go ahead of Kevin Harvick before the caution flag on the last lap ended the race in his favor. 2019, Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, charged with soliciting prostitution as part of the human trafficking sting operation down in Jupiter, Florida. And I think he got away with it, didn't he? Well, I know he got off. Birthdays, February 22nd, 1874. Bill Clem, Baseball Hall of Fame umpire, record 18 World Series, born in Rochester, New York, died in 1951. 1884, uh, Abe Attel, American boxer. He was known as the Little Hebrew and World Featherweight Champion from 1906 to 1912, born in San Francisco, died in 1970. 1918, Charles Charlie O. Finley, Sports owner of the Kansas City and Oakland A's. They won three world championships in a row back in the 70s with him. Uh, the NHL's California Golden Seals. And uh, was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I did not know that. He was died in 1996. Colorful character. He wanted to play with yellow or orange baseballs at one point. 1929, Ryan Duren, a famous American nearsighted pitcher for the Yankees. And I think the Orioles, too. Born in... Casanova, Wisconsin. Casanova uh, died in 2011. He was known for scaring the hell out of people in the minor leagues because he was the hardest thrower they'd ever seen. And no one wanted to get in there because he would either intentionally or unintentionally throw the first pitch to the backstop over the person's head. Sparky Anderson was born on this day in 1934. Hall of Fame manager, won World Series in 1975 and 76 with the Red Legs. And in 84 with the Tigers. Uh, two-time AL Manager of the Year, born in Bridgewater, South Dakota. 1937, Tommy Aaron, not Hank's younger brother, but the golfer, won the Masters in 1973, born in Gainesville, Georgia, right up the road. 1939, Steve Barber, pitcher for the Orioles and Yankees, born in Tacoma Park, Maryland, died in 2007, a huge part of Jim Bouton's book, Ball Four. The diathermy machine. He was constantly had his uh, arm in that machine. 1940, Chet Walker, uh, Ford, NBA All-Star in the 60s and 70s, won a championship in 67, playing for the 76ers and also played for the Bulls. Born in Bethlehem, Mississippi. I do not know where that is. 1943, the Van Arsdales, Dick and Tom, were born. Uh, they were both, or one, yeah, they were both all-stars. They were born in Indianapolis. Dick played for the Knicks and Phoenix Suns. Uh, Tom played for the Pistons, the Cincinnati slash Kansas City slash Omaha Kings, the 76ers. He, they were both born in Indy. Uh, Nicky Lauda was born on this day in 1949, Austrian auto racer, a Formula One world champ in 1975 and 77 and 84, born in Vienna, Austria. Uh, let's see, he had those horrific burns in a crash, but it came back, died in 2019. Let's see, Julius Irving, Dr. J, born on this day in 1950, Hall of Fame uh, Ford, he's 73. You know, okay, I, I think they cut this off a little bit, Arsdale. Sometimes they, they don't count this year. Uh, Dr. J is 73, Hall of Fame, 11-time All-Star, Born in East Meadow, New York. Should have been an Atlanta Hawk. We got screwed. V.J. Singh was born on this day in 1963 in Fiji. Uh, La Toka, Fiji. Won the Masters in 2000. PGA Championship in 1998 and 04. 1966, Brad Edwards was born. Safety for the Redskins and the Falcons. Also an executive athletic director at Newberry College in Jacksonville, U. 
and George Mason, born in Lumberton, North Carolina, 1967. Pretty good uh, running back, built like a little fast bowling ball. Steve Broussard, I think he went to Washington. He was a Husky, I think. Uh, played for the Seahawks and, and the Falcons, born in L.A. 1969, Mark Chimura, pretty good tight end for the Packers, won a Super Bowl with them, uh, born in Deerfield, Massachusetts. 1969, Sean Jefferson, a great wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers and the Patriots, born down in Jacksonville, Florida. 1971, Lisa Fernandez, softball pitcher, won Olympic gold for America here in Atlanta in 96, born in Lakewood, California. Michael Chang is now 51 years old, the tennis player. Uh, he was like an ever-ready bunny. He never, you could just, you couldn't wear him down. Uh, let's see, he won the French Open in 1989, born in Hoboken, New Jersey. 1986, Rajon Rondo was born, American basketball player in Louisville. We have some dead people on this day, February 22nd. Back in 2005, we lost Reggie Roby, a punter, three-time pro bowler in the 80s and 90s. Was a part of the 80s all-decade team in the NFL for the Dolphins. Died of a heart attack at age 43. And in 2007, we lost Dennis Johnson, basketball player. Uh, I think mainly for the Celtics, born in 1954. One divorce of note on this day, February 22nd, 1996, actress Halle Berry filed for divorce from David Justice. All right, let's do some Pete's tweets. going to take a sip here right now. Do, 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 do. Uh, sangria. <laughs> sangria, I lied. All right, Pete's tweets. Let's go over to... Make sure the microphone didn't just cut off. Pete's tweets, where are they? They're in the photo section. <laughs> it didn't take long for ha-ha Clinton Dix to feel the wrath of Nick Saban. First day on the job, as uh, he's an assistant coach over there, uh, Nick Saban didn't like what ha-ha was doing and came over there and chewed him a new bunghole. And uh, Clinton, ha-ha, got on uh, uh, the uh, Twitter and laughed about it. Let's see what else we got here, sports-wise. Looking that up for you here. NFL rumors says former Broncos quarterback Paxton Lynch, a Memphis player, is the only quarterback that has been benched in the NFL, the XFL, and the USFL. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? That's not uh, sports-wise. Hey, here's uh, entertainment-wise. Supposedly, Paul McCartney is recording with the Rolling Stones, which is funny because they had that tiff last year where uh, McCartney allegedly said the Stones were just a blues cover band, which is true. They put out a whole album a few years ago, 2016. The late Rhubarb Jones uh, loved it. Um, uh, I forget the name of it. Love is Lonely, Blues and, and Lonely... Um, something like that, but yeah, it's a great album. Uh, and this, and Mick Jagger joked about it on stage saying, yeah, Paul McCartney's going to come out and help us do a blues cover. And McCartney supposedly called up Keith Richards and said, look, it was taken out of context. You know, I love you guys. It, we, they had a rivalry in the sixties, but it was a friendly one. In fact, I think, uh, John Lennon gave, I want to be your man. The first, I think stones hit, uh, they wrote the Beatles wrote that and gave it to uh, the Stones. Yeah, they they love each other. Come on, but that would be great if McCartney's uh, recording with them. They supposedly have some new stuff coming out. They, Mick Jagger said it was going to be tough to do it without Charlie Watts, but they've got a good drummer. Also, good news if you're in Atlanta. Remember the um, Terra Theater closed. I mean, that was a, a rite of childhood when we knew we were semi adults when we drove in to Atlanta from the Burbs to go see a midnight movie at Terra or the Silver Screen or someplace down that. We were down. We were in Atlanta. You know, that was a big deal back then. Well, the Terra was going to close. The Terra is not going to close. They're going to reopen it. It used to be the only place you could get Jordan almonds. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see. Dime tweeted uh, Ch Charles Barkley talking about Salt Lake City. These people going to heaven ain't nothing to do in this boring-ass city. To which Shaq said, I never ate so much room service in my life. To which Jake Murphy said, uh, this should be a public service announcement to all the people of Utah. If you want to be the next L.A., New York, or San Francisco, then be offended by this. There isn't a bigger compliment than athletes or celebrities thinking your state is boring. You got that right. 
What else we got here? Oh, that seems to be it of that. So let's jump back to this date in baseball history, February 22nd, 1880. George Wright signs a contract with the Boston Red Caps, which he states allows him not to travel with the team on the Western road trips. He will only play in games played in New England and Troy, New York. <laughs> it allows the Hall of Fame shortstop to devote more time to a sporting goods business. He's not going to Cleveland. He's not going to Chicago or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, 1889, Italy's King Humbert is among the fans who witnessed the Chicago's beat the All-Americans 3-2 outside Rome at the Villa Borghese. Originally billed as Spalding's Australian Baseball Tour, the trip expands to include contests in Europe, much to the surprise of the captive players aboard ship en route to the land down under. They were on their way to Australia, and while they were down there, the guy said, by the way, when we're through with Australia, we're going to just go sell on to Europe. We're not going home. 1930, imagine them doing that today. 1936, as thousands cheer on both sides of the river, 48-year-old Senators legend Walter Johnson throws a silver dollar to the far side of the Rappahannock River, believed to be a 386-foot toss. The Washington, D.C. Sesquicentennial Celebration, which includes commemorating the 204th anniversary of George Washington's birth, stages the event to duplicate the alleged feat that the young Virginian, Washington, accomplished when he threw a silver dollar across the Potomac River, if you believe that. Uh, I don't think people threw dollars around back then like that. 1938, after college, Texas Christian football, All-American Sammy Baugh, let's see, uh, Sammy Baugh signed a contract with the uh, Cardinals. Sling and Sammy, who will experience little playing time as a backup to starting shortstop Marty Marion, pretty good shortstop, will leave the minor leagues to play for the National Football League while he becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback with the Redskins. Sling and Sammy Ball. In fact, just recently, a uh, quarterback uh, for the uh, Washington team eclipsed an old Sammy Ball record. He was an amazing player. 1979, Billy Martin was named manager of the Oakland A's. In 2005, Jerry Coleman uh, wins the Hall of Fame's Ford C. Frick Award. He's 80-year-old. The Padres' play-by-play broadcaster was the most valuable player of the 1950 World Series for the Yankees. Spent 41 years calling games for the Yanks, Angels, and Padres. Now, I lived out there when he did it, and and I give him respect. He's, he's a Marine and all that, served time in the wars, uh, Second World War, I believe. Uh, but I never really cared too much for his his play-by-play style it was very dry and it's very matter of fact there wasn't a lot of inflection there wasn't a lot of emotion it was just like he was reading a tele a, a teleprompter or something i and you know i don't want to speak ill of the dead though but jerry coleman a hell of an american 2011 freddie freeman and jason hayward of the braves are on the front cover of sports illustrates illustrated's mlb preview 2015, B.J. Upton announced, I will no longer be called B.J. <laughs> Took him a while to figure that out. Now on, you will call me Melvin. It didn't work. 2017, uh, Major League Commissioner Rod Manfred started commenting on the new intentional walk rule. He said, I think it's a mistake to stick our head in the sand and ignore the fact that our game has changed and continues to change. Hmm. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, On This Day, National Pastime, MLB, and AwfulAnnouncing.coms for helping me out with this nugget of joy for you today. Let's check uh, Twitter. Uh, let's see. Let's see if anything's jumping out here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bleacher Report walk-off has Major League Baseball's top five lineups in their opinion. Number five, the Dodgers. Number four, the Cardinals. Number three, the Blue Jays. Number two, the Padres. And number one, the Astros. They do not have the Braves in the top five. Hmm. I wonder if Dansby was still there. Uh, The Titans have released linebacker Zach Cunningham. They're trying to get under the luxury cap. Uh, what else we got here? It looks like the Longhorns are doing very well in this 23 class with uh, defensive players. Uh, what else we got here? 
Who is the most valuable coordinator on Kirby Smart's staff now that Todd Munkin has been hired away? This is a Twitter poll being run by Mike Griffith32. Who is the most valuable coordinator? Let me look at this. Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, or Mike Bobo? I'm going to say Bobo because he was placing Monken. So let me hit Bobo and see if we got any. Uh, right now, with 40 votes, <laughs> uh, 22% of you say Bobo. So I'm in the vast minority. 38% say Schumann and 40% say Muschamp. So there you have it. I don't know if that will continue. We'll see. Oh, well, get this. Dog Nation says that Glenn Schumann is expected to interview with the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Hmm. All right. Let's check over to ESPN for a headline or two. Uh, before I release you back into the wild. All right, here. Titans cut left tackle Lewin and wide receiver Woods to get under the cap. Uh, let's see. MLS soccer is thinking about expanding to San Diego or Vegas. Uh, the unvaxxed uh, Novak Djokovic is asking the United States for permission to enter the country. We have an open border with Mexico where anybody, including terrorists and fentanyl, toting drug cartel people, mules, can come across that border. We don't know if they're vaxxed or unvaxxed. We don't know if they have smallpox. We don't know if they have the bubonic plague. We put them on planes and trains and, and buses and send them all over the country. But we won't let Novak Djokovic in the country because he rightfully so refuses to get the clot shot. Even Australia has let him in their country. There is no reason why he should not be playing in the United States of America. None whatsoever. Do, 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 do. All right, that's it. I appreciate uh, everybody. Once again, get your T-shirts at farmhouseprintingco.com. Follow me at Pete Davis one on Twitter. Write me Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. And you can always find uh, Holy Crap at Sports with Pete Davis uh, on Venmo if you'd like to do something very easy uh, that way as not. Uh, look forward. Tomorrow is Thursday, so we'll do a camera show. And i uh, got a big moving day on Friday, so hopefully the weather will be like today. Holy cow. It's absolutely beautiful outside. Even a little too warm, frankly, for moving things around. But uh, wish me luck. Say a little prayer if you want to about uh, whether everything goes smoothly. <laughs> Looking forward to this, which I shouldn't do because you look forward to something and you'll always be disappointed. If you just, if you always, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. If any children are listening. Anyway, always be optimistic. Drink up, Shriners. Remember that one, too. <laughs>